Freedom is costly, but it's worth it. We, this week, are going to celebrate freedom, uh, July 4th, the independence of our nation. Um, It's traditionally uh, a celebration of freedom, this core value of our democracy and of our um, nation, of our founding documents, the Declaration of Independence. We declared that um, each person is created equal, endowed by God with freedom, individual rights, liberties. Among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But what is freedom, and what does it cost? Because those first pilgrims that came over from England, they were looking for freedom. Um, Those who settled in Jamestown and and were trying to find a a new life, and um, like many of the immigrants since who have come to America, to breathe free, to to, uh, live by the industry of their hands and be able to earn their living and be able to spend it the way they want, to raise their families according to their values, their traditions, their religion. What they were looking for was not just the ability to do whatever they want. You know, they wanted to go to a place where they could just, there were no rules. It was they were wanting to go to a place where they could do exactly what they want, their particular thing they had in mind. So for the pilgrims, it was to worship God according to their conscience. They were Puritans, and they were being oppressed in England. Um, So they wanted to go somewhere where they could do what their heart was proposing to them, what their deepest desire was, which was to found a community according to their interpretation of the scriptures or, or of God's will, for instance. That's what freedom really is. It's not just, oh, I'm free, so I can choose whatever I want, A, B, C, or D. It doesn't, it's not that. It's that I really want A or I really want B, and I want the freedom to do it. Remember when you were like a kid and everybody, was, everybody from school was going to some party or something, and your parents said, no, you can't go, or something like that. And you, you, all you wanted to do is you saw the good of, of sharing in whatever thing this was, and you wanted to go, you wanted to do it. But there was some impediment to your freedom, namely your parents not giving you permission and you having to do what they say. And you'd plead with them. You'd say, please, please, please. And you'd make all sorts of arguments of why it was good. And you'd you'd be back on time and everything would be fine. And finally, you'd get the permission. And then that feeling of just, now I'm free to do what I want to do, what my heart has proposed, the good that I know. So what does freedom cost? Freedom is not just freedom of choice, but the freedom to fulfill my desire, my deepest desire. And what does freedom cost? It means resisting any force that keeps me from being able to fulfill that desire. Whether that's an external force, someone forcing me to go against my conscience or to, that's frustrating or resisting my desire. And that's what the pilgrims did. They left so they could go to a place where they could fulfill their desire. But it also means resisting any force in my own heart, in my own interior life, that's resisting, that's keeping me from being able to fulfill my desire. In other words, idols, idolatry, is the biblical idea of slavery, interior slavery, is that I've made some idol, I've settled for some other thing that I don't really want, but that I can control. Or that that's, you know, some imitation or simulacrum of the thing that I actually want, which is God. And so that's what freedom is, and that's what it costs. And it's difficult to be free because of that. 
We all have these idols. We all have these sins. And there's things in the world that resist our desire, that frustrate our desire. Slavery is freedom's opposite. It's when I'm compelled not to do what I want, when I settle for something that I don't actually want. And one of the most difficult things about being free is that I have to say no to all these other things that are compromising my freedom. I don't know if you noticed in the first reading today in the book of Kings, Elisha is Elijah's uh, successor. One of the reasons it's confusing is because they have such similar names. But Elijah was the prophet who prophesied to Ahab and to Jezebel. And his life was very difficult. He had to run from all sorts of kings and armies that wanted to pursue him because he spoke the truth. But he was a free man, even though he was pursued and and harmed and uh, threatened at every turn. He was free to do what he wanted to do, which was to speak God's will. And as he was coming to the end of his life and just before he was to be taken up to heaven, God revealed to him that Elisha was to be his successor, his, his prophetic successor. So he goes to Elisha and he throws his mantle over him, symbolically saying, you're my successor. I'm giving you my spirit. And Elisha immediately knows what this means. And he says, first let me go home. I've got things to take care of. And he says, Elijah goes, what have I obliged you to do? I mean, I'm just, you know, do whatever you want. Fulfill your desire the way you see fit. And Elisha goes back home, and we find out that he's very rich. He's got all sorts of oxen and carts and houses and and things. And what does he do? He takes them all, and he burns them up. He takes all the wood from the carts and his farming equipment, and he makes a big bundle to make a fire. He kills all his oxen, all his precious livestock, and he burns it as as a sacred offering to the Lord. And then he goes and he follows Elijah and does fulfill his desire to be a prophet the way Elijah was. So those things, those riches, that life, that home, that security had to be burned up for him to truly be free to do what God was calling him to do. That's what Paul means when he says, brothers and sisters, for freedom, Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. That Christ, what St. Paul is saying to the Galatians, has set you free. You've turned from idols, he says. Look at how much your life has changed. Don't go back to being a slave. Do you remember in Exodus when the Israelites were set free from slavery in Egypt? That was the external force, right? Pharaoh and the Egyptians were forcing them not to be who they were meant to be, to be free. And Moses kept saying, let us just go out into the desert to worship God. And Pharaoh kept saying, no. And then finally, after all the plagues and after the miracle of the Red Sea parting and the chariots and charioteers of Pharaoh being drowned in the Red Sea and Israel finally getting out into the desert on the path to the promised land, the Israelites say, boy, I wish we were back in Egypt. (laughs) After all of that, because at least back in Egypt, we had flesh pots and things to eat and Yeah, we were slaves. Yeah, we had to do all the Egyptians' work and make bricks and build pyramids and all the rest of it. But at least we had something to eat. At least I knew my life. I could control my life. I could depend on things. Now I'm out here in the desert having to totally depend on God to guide us, to feed us, to take care of us. And so they build an idol, a golden calf. And they say, this is the God that's going to take care of us because he's right here. I can touch him. I can manipulate him. I can offer things to him so that he offers things back to me. This is the one that took us out of Egypt. And God, of course, gets very mad and Moses gets very mad. 
But that's what we do. God sets us free, and we tend to be nostalgic for our slavery. Do you remember back when I, before I was a Christian, before I tried to really commit my life to, to the Lord, when I could just do whatever I want? You don't remember the price you paid for settling for that kind of life, for just the imitations, the false counterfeit goods that your heart didn't really want. And to keep that fire going, to go after the thing you really do want, to be truly free, that's the challenge of the Christian life. And why Jesus, as he's heading to Jerusalem, which is what? The cross, right? His death. And these people, they say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want, to, I want a part of your inheritance. I want to go where you're going. And Jesus says, the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. Animals at least have dens and homes. Birds have nests. But if you follow me, man, you'll, you're homeless. You have to give it all up, like Elisha. You've got to burn it all up. Burn your bridges to sin. There's no going back if you follow me. You're going to give your whole life up, but you'll get eternal glory. The other ones say, Lord, I'll follow you. But first, let me go back and bury my father. Jesus says one of the harshest things in the entire New Testament. Let the dead bury their dead. He says, not even family, not the most important thing in your heart can ever take priority over this one desire. If you would be free to fulfill the deepest desire of your heart. This is what's at stake, brothers and sisters. For freedom, you were set free. The risk is always that we'll be disappointed. Because what if I trust this much and God doesn't deliver? I have to trust because I can't do it on my own. I'm going to get to some point in my life where, yeah, I've, I've made decisions. I've cut myself off from certain old idols, certain old sins, but they'll be beckoning to me to come back. I need to depend on grace, which is victorious over those temptations, over those lies in order to move forward in freedom. But I'll leave you with this. Leon Bloy, the French novelist, he said this famous line, there is only one tragedy in life, not to become a saint. And when you're in those moments, when you're longing to be a slave again, when you're longing for just some comfort, some security, some control, instead of having to go out into this desert to carry this cross, to follow the Lord, for only the promise of a promised land, of an inheritance, that is what you're actually looking for. Remember that to be human is to be free. Never settle for anything less than being a human. And to be human, a fully alive human being, is to be a saint. And the only tragedy in human life is not to become a saint.